As we talk, we are a few days before Christmas. And what's your sense of iPhone 14 Pro and Pro Max inventory? Since this has been like a special season for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously it was rough and Apple from Apple officially. You had to order what, like middle of November to get Christmas Day delivery. Although I have heard that it's loosened up a little bit. So like the um, the amount of weeks between order and shipment have reduced at Apple now, mm-hmm. um, which suggests that they are, you know, slowly getting back on track and all the reports say the factories are reopening and stuff. Uh, but obviously it's still scarce. Sure. Yeah. So I did like a quick run through on iPhone stock just from Apple stores, which tends to have the best stock and facility um, for the Max. And I looked at all four colors of Max and all four storage capacities of Max. And there were two available, the, the 128 and 256 um, space black option. And that was at, at my particular Apple store. So that, that just gives, gives me an idea. And then all the shipping dates for, for each each uh, iPhone Pro, iPhone 14 Pro Max is is in January. So, you know, obviously we're a few days before Christmas. It's going to be tough anyway. Um, but it was definitely a challenge this year, I think. Um, the reason I bring it up is because of the situation where Apple had to say, like, hey, we're not going to be able to make as many iPhones this, this quarter as we thought. And we're definitely not going to be able to meet demand. Um it, it, this this Verizon ad on TV caught my attention because um, they include the word. They say it's like the promotion is like, and get the iPhone 14 Pro that's in stock. <laughs> they, they say <laughs> in stock in the ad. That's like, I, which I think is probably very much intentional. Of like, you may have heard that the iPhone 14 Pro is you can't buy it anymore until after Christmas. Well, we have it. Or your kid has asked for one and you couldn't buy it, but suddenly you see this ad that says it's actually available, so come and get it here. And I think it's completely, like, unrelated to whether it's actually in stock or not. Because just looking at that, you know, looking at all carry inventory, too... um, it's, it's the same situation, so I just it, I found it funny. So Verizon doesn't have any stock either, despite advertising it and such. Right, mm-hmm. right. Like I don't ever recall them saying, <laughs> and the word "that's" before in stock. Um, I mean, I just kept, I probably overthought it, but I was thinking like, huh, that probably just means like literally whatever they have in stock. <laughs> like you know, you have to pick which <laughs> one you want. It's definitely a it's definitely a, a supply constrained Christmas. Yeah, uh, when it comes to the iPhone fourteen. Uh, pros anyway although um is it going to affect apple like that would be the big question for the next quarter right when they do the quarterly earnings is how many sales did they straight up lose how many people bought you know the iphone 14 because the pro wasn't there or how many people are buying uh and just going to wait till january or whatever um because you know when i was a kid i was always the person that if something like when the new games console or something came out yeah. I'd, I'd always like be like just if you can't get it we'll get it next month you know like sure. or like i was never like oh I'll, if i can't get it for christmas i might as well ask for something else for christmas instead that was never my uh never my deal but i know there are people that are like that so um and when you when you're selling millions and millions of phones some millions of those are going to decide to buy something else instead sure. so we'll, we'll find out for sure in hard numbers when the uh when the earnings call is in the end of january yeah if you're for the folks who like have an iphone and they use it for multiple years until like the wheels fall off then uh, it's, it's certainly worth waiting if you're someone who upgrades every year then it's like you missed you know you're kind of late in the game anyway but um well yeah exactly like if you're the person who's like begging to get the latest model you've already bought it so sure. like, that, that, you know i don't buy every year but if when possible, i do buy yeah. i make sure i buy like the, the soon as possible so i got the 14 pro on day one essentially 
Um, but, you know, if you're like, oh, you're just casually updating and you didn't order when it came out in September, you're probably not too fast if it's, you know, December the 25th versus January, the middle of January. So, uh, yeah. Um, something else that I've done recently, uh, and, and maybe I'll write this up, I'm not sure, but I uh, bought a pair of Sony MX500 headphones. Um, those are pretty closely compared to AirPods Max uh, as, you know, over-ear headphones with noise cancellation and transparency. Um, and I, the reason what got my attention really was like I tried them on in Best Buy and they, they were just like impossibly light. Like you don't feel them on your head. It's kind of crazy. Um, and they don't feel cheap. They just feel they're just really light. Um, but then the noise cancellation like actually really is good. And I was reading reviews where people were like, yeah, I went from AirPods Max to these. It's kind of hands in hand. It's kind of like equal, but you just pick which one you really like the most. Um, so so I, I bought a pair and tried them out. Uh, and I like some things about them. Ultimately, I, you know, it's like, I, I actually do like AirPods Max more. The difference in price is like, what are AirPods Max? Reg- the regular price is 550. Is that right? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the Sony things are like 350 on sale. So it's like $200 difference. Um, Which is more like what the AirPods Max should be priced at. Yeah, practically. yeah. And, and they are like 450 usually right now so just say a hundred dollar difference in that, in that case but um anyway very 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 similar headphones and, and there were some things that i really liked about them like they had this cool thing where um for for transparency if you're in noise cancellation mode and you want to hear what's around you like without even switching modes you press in the right ear cup like towards your head and this super soft so it doesn't like hurt or anything and it that that like Maybe it's even like just cupping the right uh, sensor or the, the right, uh, you know, ear, earphone, but it mm-hmm. turns on transparency, like until you lift your hand off so you can quickly hear something and then like remove it without switching modes fast. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. The USB-C, which, you know, I think after the switch from Lightning to USB-C everywhere on Apple products is finished, then Lightning will be kind of annoying to have. For now, it's a slow transition you know the siri apple tv remote went first um <laughs> you know the flag bearer yeah <laughs> but um, you said they're a lot lighter than airpods max because that's one of the things that yeah. i've still i've seen the deals for airpods max and stuff but the, the i did try them on at the store and the weight is really off-putting to me like the I just they're prefer. Heavy. I don't. I don't like wearing big over ear headphones that often anyway because they're generally heavy. And AirPods Max are like on the heavy end of the heaviness of you know can style earphones. Like little earbuds are just so much more appealing to me. Yeah, um, both, and you can sling in your pocket and stuff. I think both Sony and Bose have pretty good noise canceling headphones that are comparable, and they're both going to be way lighter. And they both have designs that don't look dated and generic th- this year, like the the two latest versions from from Bose and Sony. Um, but there's yeah, all- our colleague um, mm-hmm. Felipe Esposito had a post this week, basically saying that like you should get AirPods Pro two instead of AirPods Max, or for you know, or or at least they're you know, competitive with each other. And I tend to agree with that like, yeah, AirPods Max gets slightly better audio quality, but AirPods Pro is still pretty damn good, and they're half the price, and they're really small, and they can fit in your pocket, so they have a lot of they have a lot of advantages. Yeah, value value wise, I agree uh, in total. I don't agree with the premise, but <laughs> I think my my tweet about this story, I said, um, I do not endorse AirPods Max are gloriously irreplaceable, but yes, AirPods Pro too are very nice because <laughs> I have both and and I have a place for both in my life. Um, 
and it is excessive maybe but it's also like the best experience in both worlds for me um the the mx 500s the thing that i really loved about them I ended up returning because i was like mm, like them but not enough uh is that so they do have USB C. they also have a headphone jack like built in you know a, a headphone port on the headphones with with airpods maxis lightning and you put in the adapter to go to the headphone jack um with Beats Studio and AirPods Max, when the battery's dead, you can't use them as like analog headphones. You have to have battery to use them at all, even over a wire. With these Sony MX500 headphones, you could totally run your battery down and still use them over the wire because it was, I mean, you wouldn't have any of the noise cancellation features, but it was like a pair of analog headphones, like you would expect them to work. I wish all headphones did that. I wish Apple would do that. Um, so I found that pretty cool. Uh, they have volume control by touch on the, the, like the right ear cup is a big touch sensor as well. And you can turn it off, but it's got like swipe up for volume up, swipe down for volume down. I think there's like tap and maybe motion forward and backwards for like, I, I liked it. I also did a lot of accidental input when I was just like using them in bed and I would rearrange or like move around a little bit and then i would pause music accidentally or something so that wasn't great and then ergonomics just um i i would ha you know having used airpods max before the two button system where you've got you know basically like the side button of apple watch switch between uh noise cancellation transparency and nothing and then you got the digital crown for as a button and a volume knob is so good like a knob is just good anyway for volume control but on the headphones, I was even after using for you know a week or so, I was still kind of guessing like, what does this button do? What does this one do? You've got to really train your mind. Whereas it's way simpler, you know. I guess having a button for noise cancellation, transparency, volume up, volume down that all feel the same and they're all on the left side. You've got to really remember which is which. But having mm -hmm. different sized buttons for different things um, on the AirPods Max is is actually pretty valuable to me. I, I did see reviews that were like, you feel the extra, the extra money's worth in AirPods Max because of the way like, they feel like they cost more, you know, in that weird thing where we associate heavier with more expensive, like, like the Apple card, for example. Um, but yeah, I, for me, the long-term overuse, I think the AirPods Max look better and I think they are more comfortable on my head over time. Um, the sony ones maybe my head was a little bigger than i needed to be i don't know i mean the cushioning is also different too i think maybe the ear cups are more like that fake leather stuff material versus mm. the foamy stuff that's on an air airpods max and so maybe i'd sweat more with the with the sony ones than i would with the mesh uh of, of airpods max but i also don't use airpods max in a situation where i would sweat that's where airpods pro come into play yeah, you can't run with AirPods Max on. They're just, they like, I mean, so heavy. You can, you can do it, and I have done it, but you're also going to, as soon as you're done... You don't want to do it. Okay, at least I don't want to Yeah, as do soon it, as you're like, done, you're going to take the the, ear, the cups off of the AirPods Max, and you're going to have to, like, use soap to wash them so they don't stink, and then let them dry out for 24 hours. <laughs> and then, you know, you when I tried AirPods. AirPods Max on, I barely wanted to walk with them, let yeah. alone uh, run with them. Like, they're like, for me, they're, like, very much, like, sitting down at a desk, kind of, like, stationary kind of headphones. Yeah. Well, just because the weight is so, they're just so heavy. Yeah, I'm straddling ball, though, so you know i can handle it uh, <laughs> uh and i would say like finally like maybe the noise cancellation on the sony's is like a little bit better i, I kind of think that maybe um but the transparency certainly was not as good as what apple does it's like it still felt pretty muffled so 
This episode of Happy Hour is brought to you by PIA. Your internet service provider can know literally everything about what you do online. It's like giving your laptop to a stranger and opening up your browsing history for all to see. And that's just one of the reasons why you should use a VPN when you go online. And I want to tell you about one of the best VPNs out there and easily one of the most affordable ones that I've seen. PIA. Sign up at piavpn.com slash happy hour. PIA stands for Private Internet Access. As you might be able to tell from the name, they take privacy seriously. PIA hides your IP address and encrypts your entire connection. That means no one can see what you're doing online. Not your ISP, not network admins, not any hackers on the Wi-Fi. No one. PIA never record or store user data and their no logs policy has even been verified in court. And you can also use a VPN to get endless entertainment options, virtually change your location and access content on streaming services that are normally geolocked. You can connect to a VPN hosted in over 83 countries around the world and there's a dedicated server for every US state with PAA. Just one membership can protect up to 10 of your devices at the same time. And what I love about PAA is just how easy it is. It's great as there's basically no setup as they have apps for all Apple devices. So on my iPhone, for instance, you just download the app, sign in and the app sets up everything for you. Then you just press the big power on button to connect securely through their VPN service. Uh, PIA has over 30 million downloads. See for yourself how it makes browsing so much better. Right now, go to piavpn.com slash happy hour to get a whopping 82% off your VPN service plus four free months with a two-year plan. It comes out to around two bucks a month. You can't beat that. And there's a 30-day money-back guarantee as well. That's piavpn.com slash happy hour for 82% off private internet access. piavpn.com slash happy hour thanks to pia for sponsoring the show hey uh next up uh, may i want you to tell me about the self-service uh repair store updates there yeah so this is just the culmination of basically what apple promised uh at the beginning of the year because obviously the self-service repair program launched about february um or around february march april time uh, it launched in the US only originally for iPhones and Apple promised that it would arrive at the Max. It would arrive to Max um, later in the year. Uh, in August, it came to the M1 MacBook Air and the three M1 MacBook Pro models. Uh, it, then it also expanded to Europe earlier in December, as we covered. Um, and then literally this week, it's also they've also added parts for uh, Mac desktop. So you get the M1 iMac, M1 Mac Mini and Mac Studio and also the Apple Studio display. You can also repair that yourself now through the self-service repair store. The program is exactly the same as the earlier phones, uh, as the earlier kind of phone situation. You go on the website that looks incredibly dodgy because they still haven't changed the design, which I think is on purpose to make people not want to use it because it looks just like some sort of like scam store that has no Apple branding on it at all, even though it is the officially sanctioned website. But anyway, you go on that website, you find the Mac that you have, you have to type in your serial number to order the parts. You can rent the toolkit if you want to do that. Uh, all the parts arrive, you repair the your item, and then you can send back the replaced parts that you've taken out of your uh, that you've taken out of your laptop back to Apple, and you get a little rebate credit. So, assuming you do all that, the end price is essentially identical to what you pay if you get the Apple Store to do it. But you have the fun, I guess, of being able to do it in your own home. I wouldn't recommend it for most people because you're taking on the risk of getting stuff repaired and if something goes wrong you're just stuck whereas if you take the apple and they mess up the repair they'll give you a new unit because it's under their remit uh, so but it's there if people want to do it themselves or maybe if you've got a really old 
um like m1 mac and you you're not near a store you don't want to like send it in or, especially with something like a studio display like you can't really do like with a phone it's quite easy to do like mail-in repairs that's mm-hmm. what i do whenever i need a like a phone fixing or a battery replacement um but you don't really want to be doing that with a, a studio display and maybe if you've only got a little like camera problem or something you feel like you can just do it yourself uh but it's there as an option and obviously it's mostly there to fulfill uh, right to repair regulations the, that are going to be coming in. Force. Mac Mini and Mac Studio feel a little, like a, you know, easier than a than an iPhone or or even a laptop. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Although the as we've as we've discussed, the modern iPhones, um, the iPhone 14, you can you can replace the uh, the battery and the display separately with the front and back changes to how the chassis works. Mm-hmm. So if if you want to change the back glass on an iPhone 14, it's actually really easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're doing like you know camera replacement stuff then it's a bit more complicated but you're right you can you can unscrew a mac mini or a mac studio and get access to a lot of the internals quite easily uh whereas for like an imac or Anything a phone you have to, scary you have to do yeah you have to like peel away the glue yeah, yeah. well i got you the the mac uh studio repair kit for christmas so i, I <laughs> <laughs> hope that goes over well um and then the, there's been big news it seems like around what apple will do with uh, international regulation of the app store uh, coming from uh, uh, Mark Gurman of Bloomberg. What's this? Yeah, so this has some multiple parts, but the headline is about the sideloading stuff. So the European regulators have passed earlier this year the Digital Markets Act, which is a huge document uh, written very opaquely and kind of generically. Uh, so it's never been fully clear how how much stuff is actually going to have to be enforced in what way. But basically, the what the if you ask the politicians or the people doing the law, they would say that this is stopping gatekeepers, quote unquote, from having too much control over uh, digital platforms. And for this includes if you run an app store, i.e., Google or Apple, uh, your phone must be able to support alternative app stores. You must allow customers to support sideloading um, apps from outside the app store. And this has been, you know, bubbling away for a few years, and it, it got passed early this year to come into effect in 2024. And obviously, Apple has been campaigning against this the whole time. Uh, we've spoken about this on the show before. Like they had, they sent um, Craig Federighi to that random European conference to like do a presentation, and they they had those like graphics of like a fox looking at your data because they feel like sideloading compromised security. So they've been pushing against it, but. You know, the regulators have passed it regardless of, of that stuff. And it's currently scheduled to come into effect in the spring of 2024. Mm. Uh, so although the, the law is in effect, they give them like a two-year period to for implementation. And so if you think about when spring 2024 is, that is during the iOS 17 cycle, right? Because we're on iOS sure. 16 right now. 16, uh, 17 will be launched in September next year, and that will run through to September of 2024. So essentially, to be in full compliance with the EU regulations, iOS 17 has to be up to the standard of supporting alternative app stores and stuff. Um, and it wasn't, you know, publicly, Apple hasn't been like, we love the Digital Markets Act. We're definitely going to do it. Uh, you know, we saw Greg Joswiak say on that WSJ conference that, oh, we're going to comply with the um, USB-C situation, right? But the Digital Markets Act, Apple has remained relatively mum on the, on the whole on the whole deal. But uh, Mark Gurman at Bloomberg says that internally, Apple is full steam ahead on coming into compliance with uh, the DMA and they are open to sideloading and alternative app stores. So the details of this get very complicated because no one's 100% sure 
from a legal basis what the companies actually have to do so like one part of the of the digital markets act uses the the word or so it says like a gatekeeper must support alternative app uh, must allow customers to download apps from alternative app stores or sideload them themselves and it's the classic ambiguity of like does the or mean and or you can only do one or the other or do you have to do both like there's so many ambiguities like that in this text and it also includes like explicit provisions for allowing the quote gatekeeper uh to in like restrict what this can be done so like you have the gatekeeper has to offer an alternative app store but then they can still control it but it doesn't really specify in what ways they can control it so it's all a bit like hazy in terms of exactly what a customer might be allowed to do mm-hmm. or you know that you you will force apple to offer because obviously apple doesn't want to do this and if there wasn't the law they're not going to do it um but german says that they are full speed at making this a possibility but as we've seen with you know the netherlands dating app situation uh for instance they're going to try and make it as difficult as possible every single turn and one of the main reasons that big companies like Epic Games want to support an alternative app store idea is they want to, you know, sell stuff outside the app store and, and skirt the commission fees, supposedly. But it doesn't seem like the Digital Markets Act actually prevents Apple from taking, you know, quote, their commission. So in some way, even though you might have like a free reign third party app store, Apple's probably still going to be like, yeah, but you've still got to pay us. And then, you know, to actually use the sideloading stuff in the first place, maybe you've got to dig down in the menu five levels deep in settings. Maybe certain classes of applications are still banned, even though, uh, you know, technically you can download from other sources. Like, the one 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 thing that um, comes up is, like, obviously, ignoring the kind of, you know, revenue share part of the App Store, the App Store guidelines prevent certain classes of apps from existing on iOS at all right Mm -hmm. you can't submit like certain classes of apps are just not allowed apps that run continuously in the background for instance are just not allowed to not allowed to exist Uh, the apis don't exist publicly and apple will reject them if you try so theoretically you know if you can sideload from the web or you know use some alternative app store that's more freewheeling then that could happen but if apple's gonna you know fully enforce the provision that seems to be there in the digital markets app uh, to let apple um impose restrictions then maybe they could like impose rules that prevent that anyway. So like you just get an alternative app store that is basically the same content as the main app store. It's just separated. Uh, in which case, have you really achieved anything? I, I, so it's a it's a really interesting story in the sense that Apple's actually just getting ready to do it. And the, in the Bloomberg article, um, it kind of sounds like Mark got his story sourced from like a disgruntled engineer because they basically complain like, this work to to comply with the DMA is distracting us from actually doing features for iOS 17. Uh, so obviously some people inside the company don't like it. I mean, they don't like it because they're getting told what to do by a regulator. And also they don't like it because Apple externally has promoted, you know, or evangelized against all this styling stuff for three years now. So now they're just coming to do it anyway under, under um, duress almost. So uh, I don't think like Apple's arguments against the security model and stuff are that compelling so i never really had much sympathy for them on this like obviously if you have a lockdown phone it's going to be more secure than a a not lockdown phone just by the virtue of less gates being open but does it really like when you're selling when you're the same company that sells a mac that allows you know freeform application in in stores and you're gonna you know they're gonna lock it behind seven layers of like checkboxes anyway I don't really get too right up about it. I do worry, like, 
the whole idea that oh well now to download Fortnite for instance or you know a game you have to download the Epic Store from your phone and then you have to do that or the Facebook Store when you download that and then they want to shove even more advertising in you and do all this you know creepy stuff on the side that is a concern but again it depends to the extent which Apple can quote impose restrictions and then how how much does that actually be a, a free reign uh, situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, are you looking forward to sideloading apps on, on your phone? <laughs> well, I mean, if it's only EU, I'll come to come visit you and sideload some things. Uh, now, the the this 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 was reported in, in the week that I was off offline, you know, off work, and so you know, I just saw the headline mostly before I unpack the story, and you know, Apple preparing for sideloading and alternative app stores. I just thought immediately, I mean, naively, I guess, back to when. Android phones allowed the Amazon App Store to exist. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's good for Fire tablets, et cetera. But on an actual like Android headset, it was just a, you know, it was like a sub store, basically, the smaller version. And, you know, not, not I don't know that. How, how that it wasn't pay. successful right? like, yeah i don't know how that like, out. like android literally let you have an alternative app store and a few have existed including epic games had an epic store where you could download fortnite exclusively yeah and not enough people did it because it was you know hidden behind four layers of switches and so sure. they just went back to the android store in the end so yeah so so that's like there's the, almost case positive of it being pointless right that's apple just saying have at it um but yet in reality it's it seems possible that Apple could comply by almost effectively having no change for users <laughs> and what's possible. So um, uh, I think it's a big story in terms of like a directional shift and in, in terms of having to comply. But it sounds like they're Apple's position, which is unsurprisingly that they they want to do the least possible, make it as hard as possible and almost keep it. Like this, like, comply to the law but not the spirit of the law in a way yeah all the lawmakers need to do a better job of writing the laws to prevent these like exclusions from being there i mean i think what might happen is apple will say well you can have an alternative app store but you're still giving us 25 percent commission or whatever else and then the alternative app store people will go back to the eu lawmakers and complain that well, we don't really have any incentive to do this because we're actually charging more money than we would otherwise. Apple's being mean. They shouldn't let you do this. These provisions you let them have are too um, onerous in terms of locking us down. So then the EU will talk about it for another few years. Then they'll come up with a revision to the Digital Markets Act that like locks that down properly and actually does what they want. And then we'll come back around again. So like maybe in five years' time, it actually enforces what you think of when you think of like a freeform open access siloing experience. But for what launches in you know 2024, um, maybe not. And like you said, the EU um, remit obviously only covers phone sold in europe uh so theoretically it doesn't affect either of us anymore because <laughs> if apple only introduces in, in european countries uh it won't be in the us and it won't be in the eu although the UK, stories yeah. the coverage the the um in the uk sorry yeah the story the coverage um from bloomberg and the wall street journal said that apple was um weighing up the idea of launching it worldwide uh, maybe it makes it easier for them to enforce rules for instance if they just say like we're just you know the us is barreling down the nose of this kind of policy as well and what if we just did it universally and just got it over and done with maybe mm. um but at least officially it would be eu only to start with sure. um and again if it's eu only to start with that's even more disincentive for a company to bother to do it like 
in, if you're not covering the um, biggest markets in the world, which are like the US and China, a, a company like Epic Games might not bother to even make an alternative. So does this mean on an, countries in Europe on an iPad, I could I could use an alternative app store or sideload an app that's like Mac Class that lets me do proper podcast recording while doing a video or, or an audio call at the same time. Well, that's another question. <laughs> the The public APIs to do that don't exist. Right. They, you definitely can do it at the system level, uh-huh. but, you know, will Apple be like, you know, you can only sideload apps that are notarized by us, right? You know, so like the Mac App Store, um, sorry, the Mac lets you download apps outside the App Store, but there's like multiple settings of security in, in system preferences where it's like download anything or download stuff that's been notarized, right? And on the Mac, the notarization process doesn't like it doesn't be very picky about what's allowed. It's just like, we'll give you a security certificate. If down the road your app's compromised, we'll revoke the security certificate and then all the apps installed on people's machines will stop working to prevent the spread of the virus or the malware or whatever. But theoretically, depending on how you interpret the DMA, the notarization process for iOS apps could be much more stringent and it could be like, we'll only notarize your app if you only use public APIs, for instance, right? Or if you only do this, this, and this. And if that's the case you'll essentially end up with the same stuff that's allowed in the App Store um, as the actual main Apple App Store, in which case you wouldn't get what you want in terms of a more fully featured right, uh, right. podcasting application. So it, it does, the, the the devil is in the details, but you know just from previous actions that Apple isn't going to make this easy for people, right? They'll make it annoying and complicated and to the point of almost making it pointless until the... Mm-hmm. DMA gets, you know, more stringently locked down to the wording that forces Apple to do exactly what they actually meant in the first place when you hear the when you hear the headline. Yeah, I love the Mac. <laughs> <laughs> Happier this week is also sponsored by Pillow. More and more studies are showing that getting a good night's sleep improves your health and well-being in more ways than you can imagine. And Pillow is an all-in-one sleep tracking app to help you be more aware of your sleep patterns and discover what might be affecting your sleep quality. Pillow tracks and analyzes your sleep automatically and you can check in with a full report of your sleep the very next morning. If you have an Apple Watch, tracking your sleep is as easy as wearing it to bed. If you don't, you can do it through the iPhone or iPad app. Just tap a button to start your sleep session. You can even record sounds of the night like sleep talking, apnea, or other noises that might be affecting how you sleep. Use the Pillow app to check trends, get personalized insights, and compare your sleep metrics with your weight, steps, caffeine consumption, and more. And use smart alarms to get woken up at the most optimal time, aiming to wake you up when you're in a stage of lightest sleep. Importantly, Pillow is privacy-minded. All of your sleep and audio data is encrypted and stored on your device and in iCloud using end-to-end encryption. Pillow is free to download from the App Store with a set of features that you can use for free every day. And try Pillow's premium features with a seven-day free trial. Just visit pillow.app to get started. That's pillow.app to get started. Thanks to Pillow for sponsoring the show. All right, what else has the uh, EU announced for iOS 17 European (laughs) edition? (laughs) Yeah, this is kind of rolled into the same story, but with slightly less detail. Basically, the DMA covers the App Store stuff and the sideline stuff, but it also covers like individual features of the phone and saying that quote unquote gatekeepers should allow you know third party companies as much access to the phone as they do and this comes up in various ways uh, the Bloomberg report highlighted uh, three examples it said about web browsers um, NFC chip access and the Find My network uh, so on the web browsing front obviously right now Apple only allows um, 
the WebKit rendering engine to be used on iOS. So you can make alternative browsers in the App Store and you can even set them as default using that, you know, hidden setting that they added a couple of years ago. But all of those web browsers like Google Chrome or Brave or Firefox on, our, on the iPhone, on the iPad, they're still using the WebKit engine to actually render the content. So the actual website will look identical whether you're loading in alternative browser or in Safari. Now, luckily, WebKit's a pretty good rendering engine, so people don't mind too much. But in the spirit of full competition, you sh um, you know, Google Chrome would obviously want to use its own rendering engine, so would Firefox, and maybe they could offer alternative features or be faster or whatever. Um, and right now, that isn't possible on the iPhone, but the Digital Markets Act seems to imply that that should be allowed. Out of all of the, you know, like the stupid arguments Apple makes about security and locking the phone down, web browsers is actually one area where... I do kind of um, see where they're coming from because to make web browsing run really fast and to execute JavaScript in a performant way, you actually have to do like a lot of low-level optimizations with how the code runs and executes and like memory tricks to make stuff run quickly. And that's, you know, on the one hand, that's why you see so many of the, if you look at like the iOS um, security releases, like so many of the bug fixes are in WebKit just because that's one place where the phone's more vulnerable because they're having to do loads of shortcuts that, um, that they don't necessarily have to do elsewhere just to make JavaScript run as fast as possible. But it feels a bit dangerous to allow third-party browsers to do that to do those same tactics as well because then you're opening up even more security holes um, or potential for vulnerabilities so maybe apple could like op allow at a policy level alternative browsing engines but they still disallow you know like the um the code execution uh, limitations that prevent the that prevent javascript from running fast in which case you'd end up with third-party browsers that run really slowly so again i don't know if the outcome is very good uh, if the Euro if European if DMA forced them to support you know full featured JavaScript engines that are allowed to get low level system access, uh, that's opened up a you know a serious can of worms. So I could I could definitely see I would support Apple's arguments for not doing that if you see what I mean. Um, but maybe they'll be forced to anyway, and maybe you'll need another tier of switches to turn on in the in the depths of settings to actually allow it to happen. Uh, on NFC and camera. The, the camera side, I'm not sure what they're asking for because the camera APIs are pretty open and you can do whatever you want. That's why you have like fully featured apps like Halide exist, for instance. Um, on the NFC front, what what um, banks want is they want a way to offer a, a competitor Apple Pay that actually works like Apple Pay, where you can just walk up to a terminal and hold your phone over it and it opens the their contactless payment experience. Whereas right now, all you have is Apple Pay or nothing. Right. Like you can go into a... You can have a, a third-party um, NFC client can open an app, which then opens like an NFC reader, but you have to first open the app. Yeah. The iPhone does not allow third-party apps to override what happens when you just hold it near a, a, a console-like terminal. And th that isn't like crazy egregious either because you, you know, it's not like you have to use Apple Pay Cash or an Apple Card. You use your credit card and you can set which one is default. So, you, you know, which one comes up, but it goes to the Apple Pay system. And Apple takes a small cut of that, right? Sure, so yeah. in the name of full competition, again, there could be a, I don't know, orange pay that could exist and do basically the same thing, but somebody else gets the money. Or maybe you get like reward points or something like that. So that is something where, and I think that can be solved. There are, you know, technical challenges involved in like changing that there, but you can imagine like a setting screen where it's like, do you want when you hold your contactless your phone near a terminal to show Apple Pay experience or show, you know, 
insert third party app here. So I think there's solutions there that are more, you know, it's a clearer path than sort of the web browsing situation, but I don't consider it as user super problematic, right? It doesn't really care. I don't really matter. I don't care whether Apple Pay is great. Like, just let me carry on using that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Find My Network stuff. So Apple has actually like opened up the Find My Network a bit in recent years. Uh, you know, Tyler's obviously complained since the moment they started doing it, even before the AirTag was a real product. Um, and what Apple now allows is third-party manufacturers to make Find My compatible accessories. So other accessories can talk to the Find My network so you can track their item locations through the iPhone Find My app. But the Find My network does not allow um, integration for like Tile to see where your devices are. Um, so like you can't open the Tile app and see where a find my item is because there's just no way to do that it's like a one-way communication channel for third parties and apple gets the two-way communication channel now this is where this gets complicated because apple would say this is for privacy and security they don't want other people showing your location around ty would say it's anti-competitive because how we ever meant to make a competitive network when you're the one with the iphone you know all the iphones acting as beacons around the world it gives you the air tag such a big competitive advantage because we're not allowed to offer that feature on the iphone mm-hmm. you know the 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 tile tags do not have system access to make the iphone act as a beacon for their network it's only a find my thing right um hard to say what the uh what the resolution would be there but um the bloomberg article basically says apple's exploring options uh, to see how they might be able to come into compliance with the Digital Markets Act on that front. Mm-hmm. So web browsers, I think, is going to be a problem or a sticking point uh, because of the, the JavaScript performance situation. Uh, NFC, they can open up if they want to, and they just sacrifice the Apple Pay money. Uh, Find my network, unclear. Gotcha. Uh, <laughs> more future things to come. Uh Quo <laughs> has a... Maybe the most exciting report about an iPhone SE ever. It is uh, that the iPhone SE 4 could be canceled, maybe delayed, could be canceled though. And it's, it's because of how many people are buying the SE and and I would add possibly even how much manufacturing output the capacity they have <laughs> and what they dedicated to. So uh, what do you think about this story? Maybe no SE 4, which, which I think is the one that's rumored to be well, yeah, this is meant to be a good one. <laughs> yeah, the rumors have been all over the place. It's meant to be like the 10 or 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 11 versus the. It looks it's still a home button phone, right? It's like an iPhone eight, basically. Yeah the yeah. the um the current one looks like an iPhone eight. Yeah. yeah. So this one's meant to be the one that looks like an iPhone 10 R kind of design. Sure. Yeah. But Quo says that they it was originally meant to be coming or supposed you know rumored to be yeah. coming in the spring of 2023. Uh, Quo says that it might be cancelled altogether or at least delayed till the year after uh, because they're, Apple's unclear whether they're actually going to sell enough of them, uh, whether there's demand there for it. And again, like you say, maybe they're dedicating production to their other lines because they're having enough trouble making iPhone 14s at the moment. Uh, here's my, my, my point on this is that the iPhone SE design has been so out of date since inception that you've never been able to get a full read of how popular a $400 phone and iPhone would be that's new. Sure. Because the iPhone SE has never been truly new. And this would be the closest we've got. Like, obviously, it wouldn't have the latest features. Yeah, 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 like, this version would still be outdated because it's not going to be brand new, but, like, physically design-wise, it would be the closest to a flagship iPhone with, you know, the notch design um, matching the iPhone 14. Whereas every other iPhone SE that existed, it always matched. It never looked as new as the the high-end phones because it always had the the, the top and front bezel when the high-end phones had started to transition to... Uh, the all screen notch design so 
you know, Apple have, or Apple obviously has more visibility into this than I do, but I don't know if Quo's reasoning that, you know, Apple's not interested in making an iPhone SE4 now because of low demand for entry-level modules really holds up because you don't, like, it's an incomparable, it's not a good comparison. The year-over-year compare is not the same. Yeah, it's almost um, like saying if you keep the iPhone 11 and, let's just say, 13 and 15 in the lineup you know do you do you still continue to sell the 11 enough to keep making those you know if 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 yes keep making them well in this case replace 11 with se4 same situation i'd say mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah this kind of sucks if they're not going to do it because i feel like this was the chance to have a really nice modern cheaper iphone but Apparently it's been delayed or at least cancelled. Yeah, I mean when I when I bought my um my my stepmom an iPhone in February, and I think my dad won later in the year. They both have new iPhones, well, new to them iPhones. Um, they were both eleven iPhone eleven, and this would effectively be like that. And it was because it was um for which uh, prepaid care they use, it was subsidized uh, because you can only use it with that service. It was probably around this price too, so. Um, eh, it'll it'll shake out however it shakes out, but that's <laughs> I'd say SE four had been rumored for like like the talk of a it, it had changed over the years. It had been like it will be full screen but touch ID, maybe the side button or something. Like it changed over the years, and now maybe it's not even anything at all. We'll see. Now maybe it doesn't exist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, iPhone, uh, excuse me, iOS sixteen point three. Uh, this is the beta current yeah current beta version of iOS. And in the security realm, it adds support for YubiKeys, which, uh, explain YubiKeys. Yeah, so this was one of the things they announced when they announced like code advanced data protection, right? It was because they announced um, the contact verification iMessage, they announced obviously the intent encryption stuff, and they announced the ability to log into your Apple ID with a physical um, authentication key. So a YubiKeys looks like a little USB stick. It basically just has a, you know, two-factor code on it it's just a physical two-factor device uh the, the yubikey technically conforms to the fido fido standard so the yubikey is like the common brand name but loads of people make fido um little sticks these days and you know, they generally they can plug in with the lightning port or they do generally now via just like contactless you just hold the key to the top of the phone and it authenticates and in ios 16.3 you can use a fido um, two-factor key to log into your Apple ID if you want to, if you don't want to. It's, and obviously, it's technically more secure than a password because someone else can't just type in a password. They physically need the key. But you lose the key, you've also lost your login. So, you know, it's trade-offs again, but um, that's the feature. Yeah. Uh, and that seems to be the main change yeah. in 16.3, not much else to speak of. Sure. And, and you see keys made with Lightning and with USB-C, so, mm-hmm. you know dual like dual holding usbc ports uh come come next year maybe don't don't invest in the lighting ones anymore (laughs) the nfc ones have got to be the most convenient sure yeah this when you were when you know we talked about this last week or so um offline i was telling you this technology kind of sounds like the plot of the original star wars where it's like you're looking for this like digital thing with plans for the Death Star that you can find the weakness in it. And it's like this key that you have on your person or somewhere in your possession is what gets you compromised. So that's what I say. I think that, that UB keys are basically Star Wars things. So we'll go with that. 
Finally this week, Happy Hour is brought to you by Charge ASAP. Originating in Sydney, Charge ASAP have been creating highly innovative charging accessories since 2016. Uh, They've relied heavily on crowdfunding to get projects off the ground and have successfully delivered all of their bat products to customers in more than 130 countries. And the the latest culmination of their efforts is the Zeus 270-watt GAN charger. This is the world's first 270-watt charger with a total maximum combined output across all four usb ports to hit 270 watts that's three usb c ports and one usb a port uh, the usb c ports can hit 140 watts 100 watts and 100 watts each and that 140 watt usb c port is really powerful it can fast charge a 16 inch macbook pro delivering the same power to the laptop as the bulky magsafe charger that it ships within the box and plus an integrated oled panel on the zeus charger displays real-time charging volts and amps of the connected devices so you can easily see the status of everything that's charging and despite all that the zeus charger is also really really small it's great for portability it even has two-way foldable us prongs so you can order the zeus charger now through the company's kickstarter campaign with early bird backer pricing starting at just 109 dollars the final products are expected to ship in may of 2023 for a retail price of 219 dollars so back now to save a hundred dollars uh, thanks to charge asap for sponsoring the show all right let's wrap it up with some more mark Gurman talk this is about the mac pro m2 extreme chip this might go the way of the sc4 <laughs> <laughs> what, do you, what do you have on this yeah this is kind of sad because obviously we've been waiting for the apple silicon mac pro to be unveiled and to be really impressive and apple teased it at the march event this year saying it's for another day and now we're going to end 2022 without it so they've and they originally said the apple silicon transition would take two years and that was up in november so they're clearly behind in some regard um but leading up to now everyone's been working on the rumor premise um early shared earlier by mark Gurman that the uh, mac pro was going to offer an m2 version of the ultra trip and then an upgraded version which is essentially two m2 ultras stuck together so that gives you twice the cpu twice the gpu and twice the maximum um, RAM inside. Uh, that so this this you know so called M2 Extreme chip. We never knew the name because it never existed, right? But the the higher version of the Ultra, two Ultra stuck together, um, would supposedly feature forty eight CPU cores and one hundred and fifty two GPU cores, and like two hundred like three hundred and something gigabytes of unified RAM memory. But German this week says that that is no longer happening. The Mac Pro isn't discontinued, just the Extreme chip is not going to happen. Basically, the complexity and cost concerns of making a chip that big with that many transistors and that much stuff on it was just not worth the effort. Apple was struggling to make it and they were questioning how many people would buy it even if it did exist. Uh, the the Mac the new Mac Pro is still in active testing. It will the highest end model will come with an M2 Ultra. Uh, and Mark says that it will no longer be manufactured in the USA. They're moving it to Vietnam. Um, so what differentiates the Mac Studio from the Mac Pro if they both run like the Ultra chip? Because they will be an M2 Ultra Mac Studio at some point. Well, it seems to be the idea of expandability. So somehow the Mac Pro will offer a design that enables the ability to upgrade additional RAM and storage so, uh, and maybe some other components. So this will be interesting because it's the first time we've seen an Apple Silicon machine that is like user upgradable in terms of specs. Um, but it's also kind of necessary because, you know, the, the Intel Mac Pro 
you can spec that out to like some insane numbers. Like you can you can spec the Intel Mac Pro with like 1.5 terabytes of RAM, and the Ultra will no will not get anywhere close. So the M2 Ultra chip will support up to 24 CPU cores, 76 GPU cores, and up to 192 gigabytes of RAM. Um, that's a lot less. That's an order of magnitude less than the 1.5 terabytes you could theoretically put in a Mac Pro. Now, how many people did put that much in it? I don't know, but you know the the top end Intel Mac Pro will be able to beat out the M2 Ultra Mac Pro on many regards. And similarly on the GPU, um, the 76 GPU core um, system in t- inside an M2 Ultra is probably not going to be able to beat like the theoretical four GPUs you could shove inside on massive cards inside the Intel Mac Pro design. Um, and it doesn't seem like you'll be able to upgrade GPUs either. But you might be able to upgrade RAM and storage. So maybe you have like the super fast onboard unified RAM inside the M2 Ultra chip. And then if you need more, you can just insert some cards and get some extra ram that way obviously we don't know exactly how this will work yet because apple hasn't announced it but um it seems like that you'll be able to like mitigate the the gap between you know the top end Intel Mac pro that could ever exist and the apple silicon one a bit maybe on storage and ram and um, but it's never going to be quite the same but the cpu will definitely be faster anyway because apple silicon is just way more efficient than the xeons that were in the Intel Mac Pro. So it's a bit of a toss-up, but the thing that kind of disappointing is that the Mac Pro is always like the trophy product. Like Apple just like went all out and that's why you get one and a half terabytes of RAM in it, for instance. Mm-hmm. And it was just really cool and really out there. And I feel like for the Apple Silicon generation, the M2 Extreme chip was what we were going to provide that, right? Like a doubling of, of of the RAM CPU and GPU maximums of, of an Ultra trip. Right. And it sounds like they just dropped that on the cutting room floor because it was getting too complicated to build and mark says that now that they don't have to make the extreme chip they can use the silicon wafers at tsmc for you know more mass market products like iphones and ipads and mm. cheaper macs and stuff so i can i mean it probably makes practical sense when you do it the numbers sure, yeah. but it's just kind of sad that like they're not going to like come and flex in with this crazy cool chip it's just going to be you know the, the year of your upgrade to get an m2 ultra which is essentially the guts of the mac studio but you'll get some like expandability around it yeah well i mean as john turner said that's a story for another day <laughs> also some display news so it sounds like we're gonna maybe finally see well they're, it looks like they're in development um successors. yeah although he's also said that last year so and they, yeah. never, they never came out it's so better than when there was no display in development at apple successors to the studio display and part display xdr uh play xdr i feel like it's pretty due you know, like maybe that. Although the report, Mark's report says that the 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 computer is further along in development than the monitor, so mm. the Mac Pro come out and the display could not. Yeah, well, I mean, they are they do sell displays today, so they, they, it's neat when they can release them together, but they don't. Have... And then yeah, the, yeah, there was no additional um, insight into the specs of these displays because that's really what matters, right? Like, what yeah. are they gonna what are they gonna put yeah. in the new studio display and the new Pro display, and then what they're gonna price them at because that's that's what it really comes down to. Yeah, and these are. Apple Silicon driven displays. I'd but say. so is the studio display. Yeah, great success. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then this one's kind of a bummer, I guess, but it, 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 it looks like the NF. Well, I mean, who cares really? But <laughs> it looks like, the, <laughs> I mean, cause either way you get to watch it, but it's the NFL Sunday ticket. It looks like Apple will not be the, um, the, the money truck, the backer up of the money truck for NFL Sunday ticket. It looks, it sounds like, uh, I think last night there was a WSJ report that it was going to be um, Google uh, via YouTube. So, um, yeah, YouTube TV. YouTube. So that's their like digital streaming cable option. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not as compelling as if it was like 
I mean, maybe use a standalone service that you get to, but I don't want to have to. Like, I, I use Hulu. I've used Tubo. I, I've not used YouTube TV, and I don't want to have to use YouTube TV if I want to get this, and I probably would want to get this. So, but. they might let you buy just the the um, standard ticket part of it, and not the whole cable package. Right. Right. I feel like with Apple, like they don't. Apple doesn't have a cable replacement service, so. It's just the package, <laughs> but oh well. It sounds like Apple. And there, there was some reporting that, like, enough. yeah, like why did Apple back out? Right, yeah. like some some people say that it's because Apple wanted to include Sunday Ticket for free with TV Plus subscriptions, and the NFL wouldn't let them do that because they have contractual obligations to um, like Fox and CBS who broadcast games, um, and they in in those contracts it basically says that Sunday ticket must be premium priced, and that surely means like a game or two here and there, not the games. Because... Yeah, not all of Sunday ticket, which is like yeah. going to cost you know Apple or YouTube or whoever's going to buy it. it's going to cost like two and a half billion annually. Yeah. And meanwhile, over here, Apple's like charging you fifteen dollars a month to subscribe to MLS, which cost them like ten times less than that. Yeah. So I don't really get those reports. I feel like something's there's wise crossed there, but. Uh, for whatever reason, Apple was the front runner, but in the last month or so, they decided to withdraw and they didn't get whatever they wanted to get. And so they've just like, obviously they could afford it. And I'm sure the NFL would love to work with Apple on this, but if they don't want it for whatever reason, then they haven't got it. Um, and it's going to come out on YouTube TV instead. And don't expect to get like, it's not going to be free with YouTube TV. I know what's quite funny is because obviously people just see the headlines that like, you know, Google's YouTube is acquiring some of rights. People think it's just be streaming free on YouTube without yeah. something. It's not going to happen. It will be what you get with DirecTV um, right now, just streamed over the internet with a very similar price point, yeah. you know, $300 a you, year, something YouTube like that. YouTube TV, definitely more accessible than, than DirecTV, which requires a physical satellite to be attached to your home and aimed at the sky. So <laughs> uh, much, much better there. Uh, yeah. Oh well. I mean, Google's a good streamer. They 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 do well with streaming video. So. Yeah. Even with the restrictions on it, it would have been like obviously a boon for Apple to get it. Yeah. Um, it would have it would have brought in viewers, right? And uh, but I mean, it's still a lot of money to spend. And if Apple isn't satisfied with the contractual terms, they're not going to do it. And yeah. And, and like, it I seems... always come back to that quote. That quote that I think Eddie Q was quoted in like some article like five years ago. And it was like when it was in it was in the mix of um Apple trying to get that skinny bundle arrangement where yeah. they would like, you know, get some channels from Disney and everybody else for like thirty dollars a month or something. And they never it never came together and like quote Q was quoted as like walking to meetings wearing sandals and like laying up on the chair <laughs> and you know being all like arrogant about it but basically there is some truth in that because you know Apple has the money and the and the resource to be patient and the quote from Q was like you know time is on our side essentially so if they have to be I mean just look at how few acquisitions they do in general right like Beats is still their biggest at three billion dollars a year this if this NFL deal had gone through it would have been as big as the Beats deal every single year for 10 years right. or however long yeah. the, the contract runs so they they're super selective they're super picky they have certain ideas about what they want and if they don't get it then they they withdraw and so that's what's um that's what's happened here and i think what you'll see is when it launches on youtube tv you know you'll get nice video quality it'll be nicely streamed it'll be widely accessible to anybody who wants to pay for it you won't need a cable dish but the package will be identical in terms of features as what you get on direct tv just it's just the medium in which it comes and it seems like apple wanted to rock the boat and like modernize it a bit more and they they weren't allowed to do that so yeah there's no less of the mix. a total dollar amount is more of a what you're able to do with the the feature set um and also this guarantees it'll be on youtube on android <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, there was some reports this week that um, the TV app is coming to Android. Like, apparently, it's an internal beta testing, supposedly. I think they should. I don't know whether I believe the report or not, but I think it makes sense for them to do it. I mean, if you're going to launch the TV app on Windows, which they promised to do next year, like, why is Android any different? Um, so they should 100% do it, but I'm not sure it's maybe the the rumor that it's coming is uh, is accurate, or maybe they've started working on it and it will like. Uh, We'll see, because because like they also um, announced the MSL the MLS schedule um, finally this week, which is obviously launching in February, mm-hmm. and you know with the co partnership between Apple and MLS there, every time the t- every time the MLS says something, they're like reiterating the season pass terms and how where you can watch it and where it's available. And I feel like if there was going to be an Android um, for like Android phone and tablets um, Apple TV app launching soon, they would just like announce it now and be like well when season pass is available you'll be able to subscribe on android through through the app uh, but if you actually look at all the marketing it just it says every screen and it mentions iphone you know mac comcast samsung tvs all amazon fire stick games consoles and tv.apple.com the yeah. website so i think at least you know at the very least for when mls launches in february the solution quote-unquote, for Android users will be just use the website, which will suck because it's not very nice. Yeah. Uh, but that's what Apple's got on the table at now. Maybe well, they'll work on an Android app for the future, but I don't think it's like short-term launching soon. Yeah. I'd be surprised if that happened. Maybe they just want to watch in time for that new Google tablet that they're putting out. It looks like an iPad too. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. and, and I think most Android Well, phones, the website's a good match for that because it's just as antiquated. That's true. Well, I think most... Don't most Android phones have screens? It's, it's a good place to put a TV up. Yep. Yep. All right. Uh, hey, hey, Rory, do you want to say anything to our podcast audience? No? Just say hello. Say hi. What do, what do, you, get, what do you want for Christmas? You shy? He's cool. With, he's cool with interrupting, but not cool with speaking. And when it's got the microphone, that's okay. <laughs> well, anyway, Merry Christmas, everyone, because this is our last real podcast of the year. We'll have a year in review special next week. Yeah, it's a long one too. It was a long year. <laughs> yep. All right. Thanks everyone for listening to the podcast. Uh, for listening over the years for this year as well. Um, we appreciate everyone who's uh, support our sponsors. We appreciate everyone who subscribes to the ad free version in Apple Podcasts for or five dollars a month or fifty dollars per year. And uh, here's Rory. Yeah. Hi. Oh, we got a hi. There we go. We got a hi. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if you want to email Benjamin and I together, we are at happy hour at nine to five Mac dot com. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Apollo Zach. It's A P O L L O Z A C. If you follow me on Instagram, I will follow you back. And uh, Benjamin, you're on Twitter at. BZMAO. Yeah, yeah. All right. We'll see everyone uh, next week and then back next year. Bye, y'all. Bye bye.